and welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is Greg Evigan. You might remember Greg from Rolls in Tech Lore, BJ and the Bear, and of course, My Two Dads. Greg tells me how he got involved in the business, which famous TV show he turned down, and not only is Greg a very talented actor, he's a very talented musician as well, having sung the theme songs to both My Two Dads and BJ and the Bear, and he recently collaborated with the band Chromeo. Acting-wise, Greg was recently in the soap opera General Hospital. But it's not just Greg. Both his daughters have acted, and his son is a very talented music producer. I enjoyed reminiscing with Greg, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. Helping me relive my youth today is Greg Evigan. Greg, how are you today? I'm pretty good, man. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me. So before we kind of go back in the past, what uh, what have you been up to these days? Well, uh, a lot of different things. You know, a lot of uh, doing some music. I'm uh, doing some acting. Uh, always doing some acting, right? Uh, writing some music. I've got uh, a a song with a band named Chromio that's coming out pretty soon. But uh, the album's already out. The album was released, uh, I think it was about three, four days ago, called Head Over Heels. Uh, and uh, also doing uh, something that's kind of a passion project that I've had for a long time uh, with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. I went over there, I recorded with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. I've got a 65-piece orchestra. I'm playing piano on that, uh, pieces that I've written. Doing that, uh, building a studio, working on some acting, you know, same old stuff, man. So, right. <laughs> yeah. You know. So when you first started to break into the business, were you more focused on the acting as, as opposed to the singing or vice versa? Or are you trying to just combine the two? Yeah, that's always been the struggle, you know, because, uh, like, take my son, for instance. He, he got into it and never had any interest in acting. So he was purely into the music and and. If you check out his, uh, if you Google him, you'll see incredible success he's had with, with the purity of going one direction. With me, I've been, I uh, uh, started out doing plays. I, I started doing a couple plays in high school. I had bands. I had all these, I had four different bands in uh, high school. We used to play all around uh, Sayersville, New Jersey, you know. And uh, and so I, I always had the, music was always number one for me. That was, you know, singing. Uh, was really starting to be something I could look at. And then I got in, I auditioned for Jesus Christ Superstar. That was the first thing I ever did. And I went to New York, auditioned for that. And um, and that was, um, and I got the show. After 15 auditions, a summer of auditions, I got the show. Wow. So singing was the thing that that really started me off. And then, 
And then once I was finished with that show, I, I got into Greece, and I realized, you better get some acting chops, you know. <laughs> well, although I had a few from uh, from those plays that I did, but, you know, now I'm in the profession, in the world, you know, in the, in the real world. So uh, so I started taking a few classes in New York, uh, and, then, uh, and then I made the move to California, which always kept always kept doing the acting. And I realized that it was a good, you know, for what I was doing, it was better to have it was better to have more experiences at as many things as I could uh, kind of, like I would say, uh, a master of none, you know. I play a little bit of guitar, a little bit of this, you know. Uh, but piano has been, the, has been something that I've always uh, always stayed with, you know. That's something that's, uh, I feel like I'm, I never mastered, let's put it that way, but I mean, I think I'm pretty good at that. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess just it's been equal because it's demanded that of me to be equal. You know, I would say that this business has kind of kept me, I mean, it keeps you in shape. It's like, okay, I got to lose 10, I got to lose 15 pounds. I mean, normally I'd just probably sit around and eat, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, oh man, you know, it's just the whole, the business just keeps driving you. It keeps driving you, you know, to do, to achieve uh, whatever, whatever it is, the, whatever area you're trying to, you know, Gain the success. Oh, here goes my dog again. There. Hold on one second. There. Sorry. Yeah. So, uh, I guess to answer the question, um, it's been kind of split really along the way. It started out with music and uh, singing, music, and all that, and uh, then it turned into the acting. The acting took off with the different shows. So I really had to, you know, concentrate on on trying to always be better and better at that. And but I I never really deserted the music. I always stayed with it. I always tried to like with the I wrote the theme song for uh, co-wrote with my buddy Lenny Macaluso. Uh, uh, wrote the uh, theme song for my two dads and sang the theme songs and I always kept uh, music in everything I did as much as I could. You know, so so that's kind of a long version of how it went. You know, right. Now, like, when you landed, like, you know, first of all, you know, like, B.J. McKay and then, you know, Joey Harris, did you, like, make it a point to, you know, write and sing the theme songs, or did they come to you, you came to them with, with that idea? Well, I came to them with the idea, but, you know, we were dealing with, uh, it was TriStar at the time and some, and Michael Jacobs, who, um, who was the uh, producer of the show, so he was a writer, too. In fact, I... He knew me from Don Kirshner days. He was one of the, he was a writer with Don Kirshner. Michael Jacobs was a writer with Don Kirshner, and uh, and so he he remembered me from those days and, and brought me into the office for the uh, for the job, and and it all worked out great. But giving up the song was something that was going to be that wasn't something they wanted to do easily. So so Lenny and, and I, Lenny Macaluso, and I, a co-writer on that, we uh, you know we. Uh, I think in 20 minutes we wrote that song. It was one of those things that just came out, you know. Right. And uh, we did a little demo, and I took it in. I played it for uh, Michael. I remember I sat in the car with the producer, Michael Jacobson. Uh, I'm sitting in the car, and he, he says, I played again. And I had, you know, it was on a cassette tape. I rewound it. I played it again. He said, play it again. I said, all right. I, I went through Seriously, I must have played it 15 times, you know. And uh, and I'm just thinking, geez, I, I don't know here, you know. And he goes, you got it. I can't top it. I can't top it. And so, uh, and that was it. And then, so I got the song and of course, uh, yeah, it was exciting for me. That was, it, it went what's called super theme in the business where it's, uh, 
if it goes super theme, you know you're going to be getting paid pretty well for it. And uh, and so it reaches a different category of payment and that kind of thing. Plus, it was a great break to show that you have to get something uh, something out there, you know, in the in the mainstream media, you know. Yeah, because kind of like Chromio, this whole thing with Chromio. So this is really my first cut, you know. Right. So. And like, espe- yeah, especially with that theme song, it's as soon as you mentioned the show, it's probably the first thing you think of. It's it's such a you know good catchy song, and a lot of the sitcoms now, or even any kind of show, really don't have like theme songs like that anymore. Yeah, it seems a lot different, doesn't it? It's uh, it's then plus there's not as many sitcoms, right? True, and, true. You know, um, bring back the sitcom, man. Yeah, exactly, it's a great right? Format. It's a great format. Yeah, totally, totally. Now, um, like your first, like I guess, major role on Beauty and the Bear, how? How did you get the role, and how was it working with the chimp all that time? <laughs> it was, it was great working with the chimp. He, he was fantastic, <laughs> one of the best actors I've ever worked with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he was uh, getting that role. I was, I was on my way out of town. I, I really was. I was, I literally had everything packed. I was living up in Burbank. I spent my last dime. I was done. Uh, the only thing I had left was my car and. Uh, I had everything packed, and my agent says, "Greg, just just go in for the one day. There's this thing. It's a." I said, "So what is it?" He says, "It's a, it's a guy. He's a truck driver, you know, and he's uh, he drives around with a chimpanzee." And, and I said, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I said, "Oh, okay." Uh, so I went. I went in, and I and you know I had that attitude of I don't really care. I'm leaving like in about four hours after this is over here. So. Uh, so I had that attitude, and that attitude was what they were kind of looking for, you know. And I remember right after, and it was a crazy audition because it wasn't like, like uh, most auditions you go in, there's somebody standing there with a camera or something, and you. But this was like a, a screen test. So I went in. There was a truck there in a sound stage with the, uh, you know, at the time, uh, 35 millimeter, you know, the camera, and uh, and so it was like, so I just jumped in the truck. Uh, they had some stuffed chimpanzee next to me. <laughs> I do this. I do this. Uh, I do the audition. I'm done. I get out of the truck and I'm like, "Okay, thank you. Take care." And Glenn Larson runs up to me. He goes, "Hey, uh, I think you're really right for this part. You know, it's just uh, you might be a little young, but I, I don't know if you'd be old enough to have already trained to drive a chopper. You know, Huey, you know, Vietnam." I, just, I said a few things. So I forget what it was, but. So I thought, that's it. I'm never going to hear anything from this guy. So I, I get back. By the time I get back, my answering machine filled with messages, you know, from my agent. You got this, you know. So I, that was it, man. I, it was crazy. There's always been these crazy situations for me to get these roles because that's unusual. Usually you get you go through a bunch of auditions. You have to go to this the network, and you have to be approved and all of that. But this was pretty quick. You know, it threw me in uh, – a truck driver training school, Wally Thor's Truck Masters. <laughs> and I had my license in like two days or something. Right. Hard to do now. But so that was it. That's how it went. It was it was really uh, crazy. And then they took us, we shot the pilot, and I think that was, uh, we waited almost a year, I think, after that was shot, I think. It was shot in 78. It went on 79. A long time ago. And, uh, the truckers never forgot it. I had more people walk up to me. I go, once in a while, I'll do one of those truck shows. You know, people walk up and say, I drove a truck for 20 years because of you. I'm, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> anyway, that was how that one went. Yeah, and it was like that time with the, with CB radios and even like uh, Clint Eastwood with the chimp with uh, everywhere which way but loose. So it was kind of like a big uh, popular time for the CB radios and the chimps. <laughs> right, Claude Aikens had his yeah. moving on, and yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah. then um, after that, was it true that you turned down the role of Michael Knight in Knight Rider? That is true. This is this is you know I, that's what happens when you're. Yeah, I mean, I was I was. I got. It. I remember. I had my daughter was just born. We were laying on the hammock, swinging on the hammock, and uh, my wife runs out and says, "Hey, Glenn Larson's on the phone." You know, I said, "Okay." So I talked to Glenn. He says, "Greg, I've got this show. You'd be perfect. I'd love for you to do." It. And it's. Uh, I said, "So what, what kind of thing is?" He said, "Well, there's this guy in a car, and you know, he, he talks to the car." I said, <laughs> "Are you kidding me, man?" I said, "I've been talking to a chimp for three years." <laughs> I want to talk to a car now. I mean, and I just kind of, it just didn't feel like the right thing for me. But I'm glad David got it because I've known him for a long time and, I, you know, from uh, way back then. And, uh, and I know he's coming off the soap operas and, it's, and he got this. And so everybody's got their path, you know. But, yes, it's true. I did did turn that down, <clears throat> you know. Yeah, just just think. I, would, you... I don't think I would have gotten my two dads if I, uh, if I, uh, and I was more interested in stretching out as an actor because, for me, it was, uh, you know, doing the comedy was something I never got a chance to do, you know, so so they would have definitely conflicted. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, you know, stretching yourself as an actor, but just think if you did take Knight Rider, you could have performed at the fall of the Berlin Wall instead of David Hasselhoff. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. I did have a chance to, with uh, the manager, Jack White, one of the signed me one time. He's, uh, I guess he was David's uh, manager and he wanted everything and my first child so it was <laughs> like uh, I said forget it sorry no not for me there's other ways yeah but, yeah totally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then you know my two dads came along um, and it was such a different show for, for that time you know obviously having the, the, the two dads raise a girl not knowing the true uh identity of the actual father um was there any feedback like about that during that time uh yeah it wasn't it wasn't heavy duty or anything like that i think it was uh, it was uh something that was more of a new thought in people's minds and i mean i mean i remember kid, kid, some kids would say sometimes she's so lucky because she has two dads you know and they and maybe they didn't even have one you know what i mean so it was like it was uh it was it was something that people I think this society was really starting to really take a change at that, you know, it was really changing at that point. Things have changed a lot since then. Obviously, we can see it all around us. But uh, I think uh, there was no big deal. I mean, we already had that other show was out, too. Don't forget the, uh, what was that one with the uh, Three Men and a Baby, I think it was. <clears throat> I think it was called Three Men, Three and, Men and the Baby. Three Men and the Baby, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right, the movie. So it was a thought that people were starting to really, so I think it was, clever on the part of uh, the producers, writer-producers, to, to set up that, uh, to, to really hone into that concept at the time, because it was a great concept. And it's been done so many ways since then, you know. Yeah, so, absolutely. But there was, nothing, there was no real real big backlash or anything like that. Not right. like when I was doing Jesus Christ Superstar. We, were, we used to go to uh, towns, and they'd, be, they'd pick at us, and we, they didn't want us to come in, and it was like, we hit Canada and Vancouver, and they had giant picket lines all around us. You know, like blasphemy. You know, oh, wow. <laughs> no, it's not, guys. <laughs> you should really listen to the lyrics. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it was nothing like that. Right. I mean, yeah. and on the show, they, they gave you opportunities to, like, to show off your musical talents. I remember there was an episode with Davy Jones, and, like, you know, so they definitely gave you, you know, chances to show off on, on the show. Right. Yep. It was a great opportunity in that way, too. Yeah. Well, the character was that kind of guy. You know? Right. He was, like, uh, just this eclectic guy who's an artist and, uh, you know, the painter and whatever, you know, built all the crazy furniture. You know, it, that was the, uh, it was a great character, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, services, yeah. Yeah. Do you still keep in touch with any of the cast members? You know, I see, I saw Stacy re- recently, Stacy Keenan. Um, she's doing great. She's uh, she's now, believe it or not, she's a prosecuting attorney in Riverside County. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she sure turned, the, but I think she wants to get back in acting a little bit. I'm not sure, but I don't know, once you get that far out, you may not want to come back. Right. <laughs> but uh, Paul, I see Paul once in a while. I run into Paul once in a while. Um, that's about it. I, I saw Chuck Lorre, okay. and I uh, heard his interview. He did a podcast too. He did a uh, that I heard. He, uh, it was pretty good. Anyway, yeah, I, a few, but not many. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And Paul had a nice uh, role on uh, Stranger Things, uh, like last year. Oh so. yeah, great role, great yeah. role for him. Yeah, he was so really good in that. Kind of you know, bring job. yeah, bring him back into the spotlight a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, and talk like your family a little bit. You mentioned your son, who uh, I'm just going to roll off some of the names who, who he's written and produced for: Madonna, Nick Jonas, Maroon Five, Demi Lovato, and your daughters are actresses. Um, did you like pressure? Not probably to pressure them, but did they kind of go into the business because of you, or did you have a hand in it? Did you give them any advice when they decided to go into the business? I the advice part, yeah, absolutely, and they've and they've uh, <clears throat> they've come to me for it at different times, which I always really love. Um, but they, I tried to keep my daughter out of the business. Actually, the first one, when uh, Vanessa, when she right. she wanted to do it, I remember I gave her. She, I, we did a show, and my two dads, they said, "Hey, bring your kids because we're we're going to do this scene where we need a bunch of kids." So, so by the time that was all over, I mean, the director literally walked up to me and says. Hey Greg, uh, can you can you tell your daughter not to look directly into the camera? Yeah. <laughs> okay, she's hooked. So uh, so I uh, you know I said at the on the way I remember the ride back after we we shot it. She says okay, so I want to get a, I want to get an agent. And I want to get. She's an S. Just relax. I'll tell you what. Do do a play. Get get a play in school or something like that. And I figured okay, well you know it's like this is like go get the witch's broom. You know what I mean? <laughs> and bring it back to me. <clears throat> And so, sure enough, man, three days later, she's in a play, which I got to drive her to every day, of right? Of course, yeah. For the next month. <laughs> My wife and I were. So uh, there was no stopping her. And then she got lucky, and she got in, uh, uh, she was, she got in, uh, I think it was called, I think it was Norm, the show called Norm. Uh, she did a Norm, and then she did, then she got in a couple series, and she did, so she really got a career going for herself, you know? And, uh, and Brianna, you know, well, Jason, he was always into the music, so there was no, he was on his own path. You right. know, he had, he had his own path going with the music, so <clears throat> there was no stopping that guy. He was, he was just, he had all the, uh, the bands along the way, and, and, uh, he took over my studio upstairs eventually, <laughs> and, uh, he was great. He, he, you could tell that he had something special with the music that was just above and beyond. He, he learned Pro Tools, and stuff, because I always had Pro Tools. And he learned Pro Tools at a young age, so he was, 
definitely a step ahead with producing wise. No one had to run that at what 14, 13. Right. <clears throat> so, um, and it was pretty new then anyway. So, so, uh, and then Brianna, she was kind of watching everybody. I remember we asked her one time, Hey, what's your opinion on this? She just looked at us with the pacifier going on. She said, I don't have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so she kind of, you know, had two, a brother and sister to watch along the way, but she was kind of soaking it all in, you know? And then when it was time, she auditioned for, uh, I remember we were in Hawaii when she auditioned for Step Up. Right. And, uh, and she ended up getting that, so she was so excited. I remember how excited she was. She was, like, off the walls, you know. So then everybody was on their path. It was amazing. I, I couldn't believe it. That, well, I thought I was going to get a line from my two dads. I, I didn't get one doctor or lawyer, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Not one, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it was, uh, that's the way it went. Now, you know, and then Brianna started really honing the craft. Her acting is getting more acting jobs, so. Hadn't done as much dancing as as the, uh, she did before, but uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty phenomenal, really. Yeah, they've all had the success they've had, you know. Yeah, and, and you've been able to work with them in, in some roles as well, right? Well, the, Brianna, I worked with on the first the first uh, the first job she ever had. I got I got for her out with uh, it was a Roger Corman film. We shot it in Ireland. And she was, I think, seven years old, eight years old, something. She was really young. So I took her to Ireland, never thinking that she was going to be away from her mother for a month and how the, how she was going to react to that. Right. Oh, my God. It was misery, man. It was <laughs> absolute misery. She cried to the bottom of her heart for, for days. It was just until the first day on the set, which was pretty funny. First day on the set, you know, she had this shot where they, they had to put the bloody – they had a tube of blood shooting out from a bowl of milk because it was one of these horror films, you know? Right. And uh, she had to go get the bowl of milk, and, and when she got to it, the blood shot up in her face, and, you know, and she had to scream. Well, everybody on the set loved to take so much they gave her a big hand, and that was it. She was in show business. <laughs> that, was, that was it. Mom, see you in a couple of years. Uh, you know, it was that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, she was hooked early on. And... Um, so that's how that went. So far, so good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And then um, you kind of gotten like I guess you went into sci-fi a little bit, uh, even before Tech Wars. Kind of a cult classic movie that people kind of forget about. Uh, Deep Star Six. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. I'm glad you remember that one, man. I, I, that was one of my favorite things to do. You know, to actually be a part of. It was great. Yeah, I mean, not exactly, you know, critically, uh, you know, praised, but it was definitely an entertaining, fun movie nonetheless. Uh, any good stories about filming that? Well, uh, you know, I, I mean, it was it was a lot of work that day. I mean, it, you know, we shot in a tank of water for a month. Right. And it was uh, literally a tank. What they did was they set up, they set up, they took a like a Smart and Final, and they they. Got it. it was already deserted and gutted and everything, and they, they set up this giant tank. So everything you see in that movie is inside a tank, and then uh, and it's got a, a flooding system for the water so that when, you know, when it came time to flood the whole thing, we, they just released the gates, and we were all inside and the whole thing, you know? So uh, so that was, you know, Buffy, we called Buffy, we called the uh, creature Buffy, I remember that. So <laughs> kind of like, 
the crab, you know. Yeah. And uh, but there was uh, there wasn't much. It was everybody's working really hard and being like intense on being into their uh, roles and all that, you know, because it was it was a it was a real drama, you know, kind of like trying to trying to emulate. I remember Alien was when Alien came out, you know, that was everybody was trying to go for I think that look a little bit and that right. kind of that tension and. Um, you know, I remember. I remember saying anything we wanted during the dialogue. If you making up words like, you know, <laughs> I remember <laughs> in the, we're, we're in the water, you know, chest deep with the with the these shotguns or whatever we got, you know, and we're like, and I'm saying, release the flemage. You know, there's no <laughs> such thing as the flemage. You know? Right. <laughs> if you ever see it again, man, just look for release the flemage. So uh, there's, I mean, we just made things up as we went along and. Uh, Sean, the director, is great. He's great to work with. I think he did all the saws, right? And what's Sean's last? Sean. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Sean Cunningham, right? Huh. Yeah, Sean Cunningham, right. Yeah. So uh, I forget what he did. He did some big thing after after that. Yeah, he, yeah, he did a bunch of, like, I think, Friday 13th as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. Man. Yeah. Yeah, a so. couple of houses and, you know, all those. So, yeah, it's definitely, right. definitely a bunch of good horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. So then, like. So yeah. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, definitely an entertaining movie. Recommend everyone who can you know find it to watch it. It's it's definitely it's definitely fun. Uh, then you went to uh, Tech War, which uh, yeah. another you know good sci-fi with uh, the one and only William Shatner. Um, how was that experience working with him and also that series slash TV movies? Great. It was great. We uh, we had. Uh... You know, we did, a lot of people don't know, but if people that were into it probably do that. We did four two-hour movies, yeah. and uh, we did 18 one-hour shows. The 18 one-hour shows, is that that was, uh, I don't even know if they all got aired. I really don't think they did, but but uh, it was it was fun. It was a whole, for me, it was a big departure in my life to, uh, you know, I moved to Canada for a couple of years, right. pretty much. I had one, one solid year, I moved up to Toronto, and... Uh, and then, you know, before the year before that, we shot the four movies during the year. So we just, it was really a broken up year of just, okay, we're going to do a couple more months, you know. And uh, and that show was really, in a lot of ways, was ahead of its, it was kind of ahead of its time in a way. All the concepts that were used, the guys that came up with it, we're all using them now, you know. It was a, it was really, uh, they didn't have the technology to right, do it yeah, the exactly, same way. Exactly. But the concepts were there. So it was... Uh, and working with Shadow was great. Him and I got along great. We were, uh, he's the one that really wanted me for the role when he was funny because when I went in on the audition, he, uh, you know, he says, he says, Greg, look, I know you're, you're, you're an actor, you know, and I, I, I know I'm a really appreciate your work and I, uh, <laughs> and I, I don't want you to have to, I, you know, I don't want you to read. I don't want you to have to read. I just want to, just want to talk and, you know, and we're in this darkly, you know, dark lit room with a, casting director in a, a single light and everything. <laughs> I said, okay, well, you know, that's okay. I'm, I did come prepared and all that. We talked a little bit. He goes, okay, let's read. <laughs> I, like, I thought you didn't want me to read. But but after I did, he said, you know, he pretty much told me in the room, he says, you're, you're the guy. You're my guy for this. And uh, I said, okay, I'm glad to be the guy. And uh, we just went and forward and, you know, the killer for me was I, 
I, was, I went to Russia to do this thing called the White Nights concert, and I did some music over there. Okay. Russia. Yeah. And I, and, you know, I think we drank about a half a bottle of vodka that night. <laughs> and I came through a field, and there was a hole. I mean, there was, ten, there was like leftover things from World War, whatever. And, uh, and I hit a hole that must have been four feet deep. And, my, and I went in this hole, just walking through a field with a bunch of people. I hit this hole. My knee just snapped, right? And uh, and so I, but because we had that, you know, that uh, that good vodka they had over there, hmm. I went through the rest of the night the whole thing, but I had to fly the next day back to L.A. And the stewardesses on the plane, like, packed my leg. My leg was so big by the time I got on the plane. It was huge. I mean, just huge. It was, it was enormous. And... Uh, <clears throat> Packed my leg and uh, got back to L.A. and I had to call Bill. I said, Bill, listen, I think Jake Cardigan might have a limp from coming out. You know, when he was frozen, he was in right, cryogenics right. for all his years. I think he's going to have a limp. You know? <laughs> so uh, if you see the first uh, episode, you see that. Because, uh, you know, he wanted me to run. I had to run. I said, Bill, bring the camera in really close. Let's bring it in really close. And, you know. We'll make it look like I'm really running fast. You know, I'll, I'll act out the running with my face. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so we we worked it out. It was, it was uh, so a, lot, a lot of guys would have said, you know, they would have maybe gone to find someone else, but he didn't. So he stuck with me and uh, made it through that. I had to get a surgery though. So I got a, on my on my knee. So the surgery is what slowed me down, obviously. But we were okay after that. It took about a, I don't know, a couple months. But yeah, that was uh, we had a lot of stuff there. I mean, it was it was a good. There was a lot of Canadians did the show. You know, we had yeah, we had a lot of people come in and do the show too from LA, and um, that was it. You know, not, not, it was it was just a long long shoot. It was probably one of the hardest shoots I ever did. Right, was that show because it was uh, the hours were insane. They don't have the same rules that we have. You know. Now we have the same rules yeah. <laughs> as the Canadians, but uh, but at that time we had better rules for working in uh, the U.S. than 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 we do now. Right. But uh, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. And then uh, one more acting question, and I'll be killed by my mother if I don't ask you this. Um, you recently <laughs> were on General Hospital. Oh our, boy. On our, yeah. <laughs> what um yeah? How was like? That experience, you know, because usually you, you're doing, you know, primetime shows. Now you're doing, you know, daytime. What was like, the biggest difference? Yeah. Well, tell, first of all, tell your mother I'm sorry. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, my it's it's weird. Like I, my agent called me and says, "Hey, Greg, I know, you know, I, I didn't want to do any soap operas. I've never, I've always stayed away from doing a soap opera. Right. And uh, and so, you know, he said. But they're going to guarantee you 26 shows, and it's a, it's a pretty good character arc and all this. And uh, so I said, okay. So I just did it. And, uh, and you know, it was, there were was some pretty good opportunities for acting in it, so I, I was happy about that part, you know. So, uh, but it, was, it completed the spectrum of working in this business because it's the only thing I didn't do was a soap opera. So... Done. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> you know. Okay, Ma. <laughs> yeah, you can cross off the yeah. bucket list, right? <laughs> yeah, tell Ma. Yeah, it's off the bucket list. Done. Yeah. <laughs> don't 
don't, don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, I know these people really are into that show, so it's, uh, I, I couldn't believe the reaction, seriously, from just walking around town, how people really are watch that show, and they've watched it faithfully, loyally for all these years. Yeah, it's, it's funny, when I told her I was talking to you, she's like, oh yeah, you know, he was just on the show, tell him I say hi, I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, man. Yeah. Well, you tell her I said hi, too. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah, now, um, like, last question, uh, we released a couple albums, and one of my favorite ones by you is the 80 Sound Sessions, Sound City Sessions, um, I know we spoke a little before the show about it. Just let me know about the recording of, of that, because it's it's like a perfect 80s album. It really is. All right, man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And it also you know has the um, the full length, You Can Count On Me, on that as well. Great. Great. Yeah, it's, uh, did you get that? You got that on my, uh, did you go to my website to get that? Uh, yeah, I, I saw it on the website, and then I, I listened to it on Apple Music has it as well. Oh, great. Okay. <clears throat> great. I didn't know that. To check that out myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah. There's so many things in so many places now, you don't even know how they got there. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but that's great. I mean, I, first, I would want to say anybody's listening, people that are listening, that, uh, you know, I've got this site, uh, new website set up. So it's evigan.com. If you just go to evigan.com, uh, you can see a, uh, there's also a, a sign up spot for, like, to, to get the uh, album. I, I did with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, which is complete departure from Chromio, obviously, right? But uh, but it is. I'm playing the piano on it. It's uh, like it's um, I call it like new classical music, but it's movie themeish music. It's I think you'll like it. Um, so we're just doing a little sign-up page there. So if you look for that page, just scroll down a little bit, or it might be right there, uh, and maybe just put your name on there, and uh, I can I could send you when it's finished, and uh, which is going to be very soon. Uh, it's eight pieces, so I've got that going musically, and yeah, the uh, I'm trying to get together a, a whole, like you saw with the uh, those kind of the basement tapes, right? From uh, yeah. all those tapes from Sack. Because I've got a lot more. I've got a lot more that I've done that I can put on there. They're they're good demos and they're songs that I, you know, always wanted to get out there. What's great about now is you can get everything out there in some way at least people can make their choice of what they want to listen to you know sound city was great because obviously it had such a history so when you went in there you're you're i mean you know it was just it had such a sound to it and i was i was telling you before i think about the about the plate that they have and it's just in a closet someplace i mean it's a, it's built into this closet but it's this it's this plate that's uh that gives a sound so you there's one little knob on the uh on the board that you decide how much plate you want on your song, pretty much. And people came there for that plate, you know, because it was, uh, it just had this sound. It just gave, the studio had this sound. And uh, Joe Gottfried, who is no longer with us, but he managed Rick Springfield, and he was my, he was my manager uh, at the time. And we did a bunch of demos, and we were, you know, trying to get a deal with RCA. We got a, like, we got a step deal, it was called at the time. Got three, uh, three, three record deals. And, uh, well, it was three song deal, I should say, not record. So three song deal. And I think Fallen Angel was one of those, and uh, uh, Vital Force. I think yeah. I had a couple on there that you might have heard.
Evigan.com, checking out the music there. You can get on Apple Music. iTunes has it. I mean, it's it's really good. If you love 80s music, that CD is totally 80s, and it's awesome. Great. Yeah, I think that's what Chromio really liked about, you know, hey, oh, here's my dog again, guys. Hey. <laughs> I think that's what Chromio really liked about uh, One Track Mind. That's the song that I've got on the Chromio album. I just got fixated on somebody. When I say somebody, I mean you. This obsession's much more than a hobby. But I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I've been calling you from profit numbers. Just to hear your voice, then I hang up. So damn hot, you're showing up for summer. And I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I got a one track mind and it's taking up all my time i got a one track mind and it's all on you it's all on you and it's all on you yeah it's all on you i got a one track mind and it's taking up all my time i got a one track mind and it's all on you it's all on you, and it's all on you, yeah, it's all on you. Feeling myself when I think about you. 
I'm not a creep. The minute that you tell me I'm allowed to, I'm gonna pick you up and I'm gonna take you out. Ooh, I got a one track mind and it's taking up all my time. I got a one track mind and it's on you. question i'm kind of obsessed with uh the old old one of these because it's always on espn classic uh battle of the network stars i know you participated in the original back in the late 70s <laughs> yeah. yeah and you, you, you did the most recent one as well right yeah yeah well, yeah what was like the, the original one the experience like in doing all those competitions i gotta say the original one was much much better i mean the you know, experience-wise, it was very. The the other one was intense. You know, yeah. This one's this one can have an intensity. I mean, it depends on how intense you want to be. But uh, but the original one, there was a big crowd there. It was a huge production. Yeah, I mean, Howard Cosell. Cosell <laughs> Howard Cosell was the uh, announcer, and uh, it was a serious uh, it was a serious show, and and you had all the networks together at one time, all in in right. the mix. They must have spent. I can't even tell you how much money they must have spent on the on the things in the old days. Now you know they wanted to see if they can get it to work again. I think, and I I, I hope that they take the winners and they put the winners together and and put them against each other. You know because I because I know we won. Our team won this year, uh, last year actually. Uh, our team won and and that was the end of it. We I didn't hear anything more about what they're going to do with the show. So I think they probably got an opportunity to do it again, a budget and. I don't know how it went over, how the numbers were, or whatever. So, 
Yeah, well, but yeah, it was fun though. So it's always fun doing those things. Because, you know, like like I said, once again, the music, the uh, industry demand is. Greg, you better get in some kind of shape. Right. <laughs> better get out there, man. Start swimming some laps, do some, you know, because you don't want to go out there and, uh, you know, poor Ted. He, you know, Ted, right? Uh, what's Ted? Um, Ted uh, from Married with Children. Oh, oh, First, um, Ted. Uh, oh, 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 Ted McGinley. Yeah. Yeah, McGinley. Yeah. Yeah, he, he pulled his, he pulled his uh, uh, Achilles. Right Ooh, off the bat, ouch. you know, so it, it turned out to be a good talking point for the show because, you know, it's, it's like you got to root for the underdogs, right? Right. So, uh, so, it, but, you know, you don't want that to happen. I mean, you don't want to go out there and they pay you a few bucks. You go out from the day, you pull your Achilles tendon and affect it for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Please. Not good. So, uh, so, uh, yeah, but it was, it was fun. It's always fun doing that kind of stuff for me. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, those shows are so fun to watch. But, Greg, thanks for a few minutes today. I really appreciate it. Great, man. Great. And good talking to you. And a special thanks to Greg for joining me today. Check out his website, evigan.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'd appreciate it. I'm at the first 019. Be sure to like the page of Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes. Check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. You can find the show on SoundCloud. You can find it on Podbean. Special thanks to everyone who's listening. I can't do it without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of We're Living My Youth real soon.